0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Extreme Exchange. This is the third season, third episode, where I talk to Xavier and Tim, who are my friends from BMT. In this episode, we talk about literature, specifically the role of literature in society, why it's even taught in schools, and what value it adds to our lives in the first place. I found it to be a very interesting conversation, and I hope you do too. Enjoy. From past experience, literature is
1: when you... because it's... What separates literature from does reading class is that literature is an active form of reading and deriving meaning from pieces of work of media. Hmm. Doesn't matter if it's written, verbal, or audio or an art, an artist form. Like you're, it's a form of deriving meaning from create from creation of our own creations. Interpretation. Inter right. interpreting, supposed to interpreting,
2: I guess. Similar for you. Mm, Yeah, I I do think, I mean, it's the sense of almost semiotics, right? Like you're able to derive this meaning more than the words of the page itself. Mm. You can construct a meaning from what's being written then, as opposed to like pure description or nonfiction, something like that. And Mm. also the, uh, you know, the ability to evoke a human response.
0: Mm. Science seems to be a bit more of a emotionless uh, field. Yeah. Literature has a human touch aspect to it, right
1: Because It's our creation, yeah that we can perceive diff- we can create different
0: mm. worlds with just the power of our mind. Mm. And if say if, if God can create uh, beings with purpose and man can create words with purpose. Damn, somebody quote me on that. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, okay, so on that note, um, do you guys see any value in, in the study of literature? Yeah, I
1: used to think no, honestly. Like, my same. secondary school brain really hated that stuff. Hmm. What do you do with being like, in English? I'm not even kidding, as like the years progress, like I can't find myself enjoying reading hmm.
0: more and more. Yeah. I share the same sentiment, too. I, I, I was so confused how you could... How literature was even an examinable subject? I was like,
1: what even is this? It shouldn't be. Yeah, but I think it's more of the fact that the skills required for literature. Yeah, you no. Know, sec four mm. me thought was all bullshit. Tested, you know?
2: yeah. Like it was a scam where interpretations it's were like made up the, for the, the water sake of examinations. Yeah,
1: the water was blue. It's a reflection of his internal. <laughs> the you know, meme, right? <laughs> you know, I genuinely thought it was thought
2: all bullshit. Up until about sec three. I mean, to
1: certain extent,
0: it kind of still is bullshit, you know.
1: <laughs> it's kind of little crap. Yeah.
0: Right? Uh, on On that note, it's like it's like. It's a, it's a point on, like, maybe the pitfalls of literature, maybe. Like, you could... If it's corrupt, you could end up assigning uh, meaning to, to text that isn't actually there. And then you'd just be like... I don't know. But I think the
2: the value of literature is in the endless permutations of the meaning yes. that can be derived from mm. it, right? There's a method as well. Like, I mean, cliched example, but the ability to uh, transpose Shakespeare to an infinite number of circumstances. Mm. Or the... Uh, you know ability to um the ability for literary critics in countless generates uh ge- generations to come up with not full insights into write um literary texts like uh, i don't know people are constantly coming up with interpretations like don quixote or mm-hmm. uh, a thousand years of solitude yeah Okay, but doesn't mean you're yes, of the view that there's no such thing as a right interpretation. I think there's author's intention. There's the author's intention versus the intention derived from the reader's. But I don't think there's. I don't think different things. author's okay. intention is necessarily synonymous with the right interpretation.
1: Yes, because the author's interpretation oh, is simply a product of his own
2: interpretation. I, I read about so, all these recently, and also. this goes back to rationalism, right? I think, like math in literature, you're dealing with abstract concepts that transcend the literal or transcend the physical. And once you do that, there's no there's no such thing as ownership, right? Once you mm, introduce okay, a concept that transcends the literal and the physical, the author's intention is no longer relevant because it's the mm. interpretation of the concept that can be individualistic to the reader or the context or the time. Mm.
1: Well, actually that's but you but ultimately, I would say that you should look at the author's interpretation because you can glean insight into it. That's the whole point of people reading into the, bio- the biography of authors mm. and their life experiences and how it influenced their work because they want to see why they've written their work in such a way and how it, they justify their experiences or show their insights into mm. what they think is right and wrong through the forms of literature.
0: I mean, they
2: create the analogy is I'm trying to think of an invention that's not used for its original purpose and the only thing I can think of is a politically insensitive family guy meme that we won't <laughs> what was Henry Ford and in the Jew Flattening Machine <laughs> I'm trying to think of a what real example it? what's the Jew Flattening Machine? <laughs> no, no, the, the family guy joke was that Henry Ford, Hen, Henry Ford was a Nazi sympathizer, right? So the implicit joke in Family Guy was that Henry Ford invented it to be a tube the flattening dozer. machine and then someone's like, hey, you could also drive... No, no, a car. Then oh. he's like, hey, you could also, you know, drive around in it. Then he's like, yeah, you could, but you could also use
0: the Mona Lisa as a placemat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the thing, though. Um, I don't know, okay. It's, it's a very small tangent, but... I, during my TOK uh, presentation, I worked on the... I worked on the... the... KQ, uh, what is art? So I explored... Oh, you did question four. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not the, not the essay, the presentation. A? Oh, presentation. Yeah. Oh. So, so my, my question was, what is art? And so I had to give, like, different reasons as to what constitutes art and, and why that's wrong and whatnot. And I came all the way down to the final, like conclusion, which is that what constitutes art is if the creator intended it to be art. That's, so you think yeah. only author's intention exists? As, uh, yeah, so, yeah, for me, or rather for me, author's intention is one of the, the most, if not the only right way to interpret something.
1: Then why would you consider things in nature to be very artistic, pure beauty, Oh, but, okay, then, I mean, you could always just point it at God, God yeah, correct, but, but, yeah. Without God in the equation, what would you say is the reason? Unless you're saying that God is the reason, then, you know?
0: No, but, wow, okay, well I feel, I just, we're actually going back to the previous one, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much on this. Um, it, it, It could just be that if there is no creator for nature, then there is no uh, right and then I have to stress that it's right interpretation not
2: but okay, any interpretation say you could come up with like say you could come up with um, equally valid but um, equally valid but different interpretations of a piece of literature
0: mm-hmm. no, and but... you
2: didn't know the author's intention but both of them were meaningful both of them brought novel insights into human nature and both of them were talking about society in some way or another. Mm-hmm. even if say for some reason, the author's intention was obscured by and you know like obscured to the annals, annals of history, and you'd never be able to find it out. but you could derive value from the two separate interpretations.
0: Right. Then I would think that the, the interpretations the, the interpretation that wasn't intended by the author is a serendipitous one. So it's one that was unintended but right? had he- but I don't think it's that's the thing I don't think it's just
2: serendipity of course there are a lot of like bullshit interpretations mm-hmm. right but I do think there will be multiple interpretations to anything we live in a pluralistic oh, world yeah, right I mean, and I, you I'm can not, view things with yeah, different lenses I'm not
0: disputing the I'm disputing the, the rightness of the interpretation yeah. the rightness
1: yeah but does it matter if it's right in, or in the fact that it gleams insight into hmm. certain methods of thinking because matter how right or wrong it is there's something that influenced the person to think that way. And that itself is an insightful nature. You know? Because
2: no one... I mean, you don't have ownership over idea and right. idea, right? The mm. metaphysical construct. It's like, like even
1: if... Um, um, how do I put it? Um, Hitler gleamed the wrong meaning from his influences and then created his whole Nazi ideology. You can understand... We, we can condemn it as wrong, but at the same time, we can also learn from why he thought that way, and his interpretation, what, what were his ideas of interpretation that led to the creation of these uh, twisted ideals, and that itself is value, no matter how reprehensible the idea itself is, because the process mm. of how it was formed, from his interpretation of literature, that process itself has value. Mm. So, bad interpretations are still useful when you when you perceive it as bad then you need to find out what made it bad and what made the person create it Mm. in the first place then you can come up with the most like um, (coughs) the most practicable use for of that knowledge Mm. because you understand the opposite point of view rather than simply trying to confine his ideas into your own specific worldview so i'll say it's like the most important part of This whole right-wrong interpretation Mm. thing.
0: Okay. So, it's like, here we're prioritising a benefit to society in some sense, uh, whether it's knowledge or insight-wise.
1: I mean, that's why we study history, right? Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I guess in that case, my my concept of a right interpretation uh, was more of a correct interpretation rather than uh, useful or meaningful or valuable interpretation. Yeah. So, okay. I stand corrected on what a right interpretation is.
2: I mean, I do think that can be an intended interpretation. It can be intended. I just don't mm. think it's in synonymous with a right interpretation mm. because I don't think it exists.
1: Mm. Because okay. ultimately, what you think is right can be my wrong, you know. And that, you know that what the right author
0: right. thinks is yes. right
2: may not necessarily be how he portrayed it. Right? Is it problem. Like, because yeah. think about what you're doing when you're crafting when you're crafting literature, right? So you, so you can use certain stories. things to influence how something is perceived, right? You can use literary devices, you can use metaphors, you can use similes, mm. you can use I- imagery, all of this semantics to influence how the audience perceives something. But there's no guarantee of outcome, right? Mm. Some of a gamble, a, These are yeah. all tools to influence how the audience perceives it. But ultimately, it's individualistic. And you can't say that how someone perceives it is wrong, because... These things are objective, right? They're words on a piece of paper. And the author might try to influence you, how you experience something he's chronicling, through this use of literary devices. But ultimately, any perception's valid because they do have that perception, right?
0: Mm.
1: You're constrained by the fact that you want to impose your own beliefs, to craft your own narrative. I think that's the the nature of most postmodern literature anyways. They try and deconstruct the nature of how people love to ascribe meaning to, to books. And then they try and turn it back onto you and tell you that, you know, why are you doing this? I think one book that I've read recently about this, it means it's literature. So, like, it's about, um I think it's Thomas Pynchon's uh, Crying of Lot 49. It's quite interesting book. It's about um, this woman who um, finds out about block 49 about this secret society she spends uh, her whole her whole whole month attempting to discern the meaning of things searching for ideas and illusions behind random symbols Hmm. in places that she's been to and at the end it's unclear whether she's, she's she's found it and she there's no answer given to the reader that she's found out about the existence of a secret society or whether she's just deluding herself and that's the point of it you know but even then that whole the irony is that that interpretation itself, you know.
0: Oh, it's like it speaks about you trying to interpret. Yes, exactly.
1: It's, it's yeah. a, it's very cyclical in that sense. Mm. That itself, what I'm saying, was also an interpretation, mm. which is like, the funny part of the whole the whole book itself. Mm. You're just you're oh. just caught in that process of you know. Of interpretation.
2: Mm. because yeah, it's almost like you have no with as with anything you have the author has no ownership over outcome Correct. Right. there can't be a guaranteed outcome same with history right it's like things happen and then words are put on a page in a certain sequence and they're there but there's no way to say for sure what the outcome of that is so like you know As with history, there's all kinds of revisionisms, right? You can go back and completely flip the table and Marxists can say, oh, actually, this was quite a good example of a communist utopia. And then capitalists can go, oh, no, but it was entrepreneurial and there was capital forming and all of that, right? Mm. And same thing with literature, right? The author can try and slant it in a certain direction. But it's just words. These things are just constructs and you can find evidence Mm. for the contrary. As much as the author would like you to believe something, Mm. revisionists
1: can always claim that Mao's regime was beneficial, and there'll be a thousand or one reasons that say that's not true. And there'll be a thousand or one reasons to say that's the case. Mm. Right. And that's the, I think that's the the difficulty, and that's the, I guess that's the beauty of it, you know.
0: Mm. Okay, so in that case, right, it does seem like a very uh, wishy washy, um, kind of because
1: dispute. it's so hard to ascribe a fixed yeah. a stable idea to it right yeah
0: I mean it it, it, it's, it stands in contrast to science because science is very hard facts I mean yes you could dispute data analysis and whatever but the fact of the matter is it's it's an, we observe, we're observing things looking, and, and and now we know why literature majors struggle to find employment <laughs> Yeah, but okay, yeah. So anyway, I, I wanted to wrap this up uh, with the final question about what it's uh, what value does it add to society? Because you could say that if at the end of the day everything is interpretation, and it's just me, it's just my my view against yours, then why why even bother teaching this to people? I mean, yeah, it, it just seems to. Or not 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 teaching this to people but what what use does it have in society? Like economics is useful, science is useful, math is useful, but
1: literature, I mean I you engage know. people in the process of thought itself. Because It mm. you teach you how to think, how people create different forms of persuasion. You help people perceive the world and then from their own point of view and their own like their own beliefs and personality, they can form their own perception of the world itself you are teaching people to construct the world from their environment and not just be and not just be a passive actor that's what i'll say from it you're not so passive as now you are an active person engaging with the world and its creations
2: actually interestingly i still think literature has very little tangible value to society and but I do think that the reason why it's important is not because of its tangible society, uh, tangible impacts on society. Because I do think trying to link that would be a bit tenuous, and it's difficult to say, oh, we have a more informed and cognizant society when people read books. Mm. But it's more because it's almost as if art for the sake of art, right? right. Like Oscar Wilde's whole concept, where whether for some aesthetic ideal or something, mm as a human race, we find value in maintaining what we find beautiful and we find, um, Mm. you know, is able to describe the sublime even though it Mm. doesn't have, or what we, our perceptions are of the sublime even if these musings have very little tangible benefit on society.
0: Mm. So it's like a, like a leisure hobby rather than a, like a necessity. I don't think it's leisure, I mean,
2: it even boils down to why have philosophy, right? Mm. It's the ability to have an exposition for these ideas, even if the ideas in and of themselves don't bring tangible benefits, that exploration of these ideas in and of itself is valuable to have. It
1: help you construct
2: the way you live,
1: and how you affect other people, Mm. you know.
2: Right, And it's almost, again, I don't want to go back to it, but this idea of rationalism, right, it's, mm. you know, I exist, I think therefore I am, it's, it's a reason behind living, right, if not, no, we don't want to just be automatons living and building buildings and making money and crunching numbers and planning conducts but there has to be a reason to live right mm. if not what distinguishes us from animals is
0: the yeah. ability
2: to perceive what we think is the sublime the ability for us to posit what we think is transcendental and what makes us more than just a sum of our raw animal instincts and chemical coercion
0: as well too. all right there's uh nothing much else I think that is a fitting place to end our second theme yeah and uh, yeah I just want to say thanks for taking the time to come here today on a Thursday evening mm-hmm. it's quite late no, thanks it's so much for I guess yeah, yeah. No problem. Um, I mean I hope it was as fruitful of a discussion as it was for you uh, as it was for me yeah I mean I find value in these because when you talk things out you discover things that were in you that you didn't know you knew yeah and uh, yeah for anyone who somehow stuck to the very end of this video for some reason uh, thanks also for following through um, and I will see everyone in the next episode of the extreme exchange bye Okay, so bye-bye.